Additional support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Controls Service, Inc., providing process control systems, calibration, maintenance, and service that is guaranteed to be second to none. Controls Service, Inc., on the web at www.controlsservice.com. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today. Today's podcast continues a conversation on CQI 9 Revision 4 as we talk about major changes regarding heat treat system assessments and job audits. To find the first in this four-part series, head over to www.heattreattoday.com slash radio or simply Bing or Google Heat Treat Radio Justin Rydzewski, and that's spelled R-Y-D-Z-E-W-S-K-I. It should be one of the first results that pops up. You can also find additional helpful information on CQI9 on our website, so feel free to run over to www.heattreattoday.com and simply search for CQI9. Now, let's get started with today's episode. All right, welcome to uh, Heat Treat Radio. Uh, this is Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, here today with Justin Rudzuski from Controls Service and a, a new guest that we're going to introduce to you in just a moment, Mr. James Hawthorne from Acumen Global Technologies. We are going to be talking about CQI9. This is our second in a uh, four podcast series on uh, the new revision four of CQI9. So I want to, uh, want to welcome, welcome our guest today. I want to reintroduce Justin to you. As I mentioned, Justin is from Controlled Service Controls Service in Livonia, Michigan, where he's the director of sales and marketing. And Justin was actively involved on the committee that did uh, Rev4. Correct, That's correct. That's correct. An active participant in, in co-authoring the, uh, the fourth edition, uh, I guess my most significant contributions were to the pyrometry section, obviously. Correct. And actually, pyrometry was what we talked about last time. So welcome back. Um, we are, we're also welcoming James Hawthorne. And James, I want you to do most of the introducing, but let me hit on some basics here. I want you to tell the folks about yourself. But as I mentioned, you're with Acument Global Technologies, which is a Fontana Grupo company, uh, uh, Fontana Grupo, I believe, being an Italian-based company. Uh, you, though, James, are located in Michigan, the headquarters being in Sterling Heights, and my understanding is you are the heat treat specialist uh, at that company. So if you don't mind, please tell us a little bit about uh, maybe the, the company and yourself and also your involvement on the CQI9 committee. All right. Thank you, Doug. I work for Acumen Global Technology. Um, I am the heat treat specialist for our North American facilities. I handle uh, the heat treat systems, the systems compliance, uh, quality assurance for for the heat treats within our organization. Um, You know, Acumen's been around many, many years. we, we make uh, fasteners, so nuts, bolts, rivets, washers 
for the auto industry. We make it for the off-highway equipment, things like tractors and bulldozers and whatnot. And we also do building and construction fasteners as well. So things that are holding bridges together, roller coasters, uh, you name it, we probably have a fastener in it. <laughs> well, we appre- we appreciate that. We were talking before we turned on the record button how uh, how the world would be a worse place if the fasteners weren't holding stuff together. And I do want to mention before you go on and tell us a little bit more about yourself that according to the Acumen website, they describe the company as the world's most innovative manufacturer of value-added screws, bolts, nuts, and cold form components. So. There you go. So please continue. Tell us about you and uh, your role on CQI9. All right. So I've been in uh, the heat treating industry for over 25 years. Uh, formal education includes metal, uh, metallography and statistical process control. I mean, I've held positions in heat treat, including maintenance, working in the laboratory, um, working in supervision, and now I'm in a corporate capacity. Um and that is kind of what led me into uh, AIAG. We are a member company, and uh, I was brought in to uh, add as much value and knowledge as I can based on my experiences to the to the committee. Uh, currently, I am the uh, chairman of the technical committee. We've been mm-hmm. working on uh, this document for for quite some time, um, and and you know the. Uh, through through a lot of uh, a lot of expertise and many 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 work hours, I believe we put together a really good product for the industry. Great, great. Yeah, I appreciate it. So basically, you're the the technical the technical direct uh, technical director. Is that the what you said? The uh, technical director of the committee. Yeah, the the committee chair is you know committee chair. Got yeah. It. Okay. So so you know the 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 important part is to try to. Uh, keep everybody on task you know uh you're more (laughs) of a task uh manager at that point you know you get uh you get a lot of smart people in a room and and trying to corral that intelligence is uh it's not not difficult it's just making sure that we stay in the right lane and get to the bottom of what we're trying to get to and 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 complete the specific task in the moment Yeah, great, great. So I asked uh, Justin this last time, I think, and I'd like to ask you too, just to get your perspective. Let's say you're trying to explain to someone who has essentially zero understanding of what CQI nine is. How would you explain it to someone? Well, first, I'd start with the acronym itself. You know, CQI nine is continuous quality improvement. So the 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 purpose behind it is to uh, to put together a system that will help you manage and and control your process and and at the end of it you, the the product that you're delivering to the end user so the the intent is to uh give you those guidelines to you know uh help avoid potential spills or escapes or um you know what what else whatever else may may All come right. of that right Right. Any of the hurdles on the, in the process itself. So, and it's pretty, it's, it's, it's mostly heat treat related. Yes. I mean, is it, or is there more than just heat treat there? Well, it, it is the entire system of heat treat. It yeah. covers, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the, uh, heat treat system assessment, you know, the first portion of it is quality based. The second yeah. portion is section two is the floor responsibilities, things that you would, uh, 
things on task that are being completed. And then third, you get into the uh, the maintenance and the pyrometry portion of it, very specific to the pyrometry and very specific to atmosphere control, um, uh, specific to uh, at the end of it, there's some very specific induction questions because, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to induction, there's no real furnace at that point. So you yeah. really want to focus on those those key uh, elements of induction. Right, right. So, Justin, we last time we talked about this, but we broke this. We, we tried to break this down to keep it simple, the, the CQI-9 into four basic sections. Can you just very briefly, let's review those, and then we're going to jump into... Uh, talking about heat treat system assessments and job audits, but can you give us the give us the four categories? Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the CQI nine is, is is broken down into uh, a few sections, and, and one of the reasons for that is that it's it's more than just per our conversation last time. You know, it, it's not exactly like like an AMS 2750, which is a pyrometry standard. This is a system assessment. It's meant to assess an entire system of heat treat. So it it includes a multitude of uh, of sections that are address the system as a whole. And it starts with um, your heat treat system assessment, which is often utilized as an acronym of HTSA. Then you have a, a pyrometry section, and then you have a job audit. Then you have your process tables, and uh, various different support elements like a glossary of terms and you have uh, instruction sheets and whatnot, but the, the four are the HTSA, pyrometry, job audit, and process tables. Got it, got it, yep, thanks. And and as we've mentioned last time, Justin, you and I, we talked down through the pyrometry section, which covered things like sensors, thermocouples, calibration, SATs, and TUSs. So if you are interested in that information, you'd want to go back to the first episode. So, But let's jump into, James, if you don't mind, we'd like to pick your brain here a bit on this. Let's jump into some questions on the uh, HTSAs, as we'll refer to them, heat treat system assessments, and and job audits. So let's let me ask you this to start off. Let's just jump to the basics, right? What is an HTSA and what's its purpose? So, so to start off, you know, again, HTSA, heat treat system assessment. This is this is a a tool that has been developed to help you evaluate how you manage your heat treat system for effectiveness. Uh, effectiveness in quality management, effectiveness in uh, the floor responsibilities. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, understanding that you know um, through aspects of training and training effectiveness, and then into you know the final section of of atmosphere control and atmosphere management and reaction to those. And the 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 purpose here is to have one system, one one document that is the rules of engagement for doing heat treat in the automotive world. And what this does is it allows the automotive industry to give you one spec, one thing to follow, as opposed to having, you know, say uh, Ford give you, you know, 10 questions where nine of them are exactly the same as FCA or, or nine of them are the same as Ford Motor Company where one of them have a specific question. This encompasses all of those wants and needs from the auto industry to protect themselves, to protect the end user in, you know, out there in the field that may be using that heat treated component. Right. Right. And how, how, 
so how frequently does a heat treater need to conduct a HTSA? So the the rules of engagement are annually. So okay. on an annual basis, you should be evaluating uh, your system for compliance. Okay. Um, you know, it, and and it's the the beautiful thing about the the HTSA is it is a living document. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find any shortcomings in there, you have the ability to go back there and update that and make it match what your reality is after you find, you know, the, the solution to the problem that may have, uh, come up while doing your, uh, uh, assessment. Mm-hmm. So, so now in, in for clarification, these HTSAs, are they conducted by the, the company or do they need to have a third party come in and, and conduct the HTSA annually? Yeah. That's a great question. So, so there's no there's no rules to uh, you know having a, a an independent body coming in to do this assessment. Mm-hmm. If if you have uh, the the people that meet the criteria within your organization to do the HTSA the the, mm-hmm. the system assessment along with the process table review and the the job audit, you can do it within your own organization. You just have to meet the criteria that's listed in the book, and it's things like you know having uh, experience in heat treat, which is the number one, the number one thing you must meet to be the lead auditor of a uh-huh. heat treat. You know, uh, core tools, understanding of quality core core tools. You know, and and having that audit experience, right. and that and those are the things that you have to do to be able to. Uh, uh, successfully do an audit and it meet the intent of uh, CQI nine. Okay. Yeah, and I, I believe the the intended purpose of the HTSA initially was for it to be supported internally by the organization. Like that was the the intent of it. We commonly refer to the HTSA as a self assessment. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. So uh, that that makes sense. So, and I assume when the auditor comes in, he may audit your how you did your HTSA, make sure that it was done well, and all that good stuff when you have to be audited. Okay. So the outcome of the HTSA is going to be pass, fail, miserably fail. What are, what are the what are the possible outcomes? I mean, I know we've talked about not satisfactory and needs immediate attention. I want to deal with those differences, but. What what are the outcomes? <laughs> well, I, I think those are so so not not satisfactory. Um, it is it is where you don't meet the intent of the shall within the related uh, HTSA question. Okay. Now that could be a simple oversight where it's very easily correctable, and you know you put the proper things in place. And you move on. Mm-hmm. Now, now, if you have something that could uh, jeopardize final product quality, well, now you're looking at something that may be a needs immediate action. And, okay. and that needs immediate action will be evaluated by the assessor and the heat treat organization as to what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Now, CQI-9 does afford uh, the, the heat treater with 90 days to correct any, uh, any finding. Um, now, if it's a needs immediate action, there should be action to correct that finding immediately up to 90 days. 
So, okay. so it's it's important that um, it's it's also important to note that if it's something that is going to jeopardize product quality, then then there is a chance that a needs immediate action will be um, uh, be extreme enough to where you have to stop processing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stop processing, fix the problem, and then begin processing again. So, but but that goes to the evaluator. You know, you have to be able to evaluate that, and that's and that's one of the many reasons why we look at the assessor or at least the lead assessor being a heat treater because yeah. he's going to understand it, he's going to know it, and you're going to have quality folks. I mean, you know, for for a commercial house, it's very easy to have those people available. Maybe right. in a captive house, maybe not so much where you've got a lot of other things going on plus heat treat. Right. So, and that, that was an, that was an interesting element. Uh, I don't know if you recall, James, or not uh, from the from the rollout. We had that question that came through, and, and I don't remember if we were actually able to address it, but they had expressed. Uh, I don't know if it was like a concern or a they posed the question of, of why the heat treater was was given a a greater. Uh, amount of focus than uh, than was in the in the previous edition. That somehow that that was a an element that required explaining because there was in in the question that you know a possibility for um, there to be issue with with doing so. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know if we go back to uh, the conversations that we had about this, I think this was one of the topics we talked at length about. Um, and and the and the rationale behind making sure that uh, the lead assessor, you know, is it more important for that person to be a good auditor or is it more important for that person to be a heat treater? We're not diminishing the need yeah. to have audit experience at all. the The only difference is is we're saying that the person that's going to be the lead auditor be a heat treater right. because that heat treat experience. Is is going to be much greater than somebody who has audit experience, right. you know. Where where if an auditor goes out and he looks at, you know, and I'll take my industry for example, all he looks at every day is cold forming, and and how they make the fastener itself. Well, when he gets to the heat treat portion of it, is he going to know what atmosphere control is? Is he going to know what endothermic gas is? You know, those are this is the rationale behind this change is that these people are going to understand the language. Right, and and that's that's the importance, right? Yeah. And and I think another key element to that too is that it doesn't mean that you don't have to have it, you know, the audit experience or the or someone with audit experience on that team or in that that person. They still need it. It's just the uh, the focus shifts a bit. It doesn't mean that right. it, it's now absent. Right, right. That sounds that sounds fair. All right, so let's move on to job audit, if you don't mind, James. Different, different than a HTSA, but, if, but let's just talk. What is it? What is a job audit, and what's the purpose? So, so the job audit is the uh, uh, supplemental portion of the uh, assessment process. So, the job audit is where you would take a part and walk it through the system, and and then verify all of the evidence that you've put into the HTSA. And and you walk the process and you go look at each point specific item based on the uh, job audit uh, flow right. and and you check did 
did the operator check the right amount of pieces? Does that match what you said in the HTSA? Right. Did they did they document their their efforts on on uh, let's say uh, production report A and process report B? And is that what's represented in the HTSA? Right. So what you're doing is, you know, the the first part is the trust. Then you're verifying. Got it. Got it. Got you know, where you're doing some verifying in the HTSA, don't get me wrong, but, you know, this is actually walking that part through the system and right, ensuring right. that every every box was checked, every T's crossed, I's dotted. Right. Right. Sounds like the HTSA is more of a kind of almost like the br- blueprint uh, and the and the job audit is, well, let's, you know, let's run a part through and make sure we match up to the, the standard, so to speak. Make, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it's, it's verificationary rea- your reality. Got it. Okay, got it. And then, and is there a requirement as far as frequency of job audits? I mean, how often do you have to do you have to do those? So, so this is also annual. Um, okay. It right. it um, required to do an automotive part. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know some customers might like to see their part in the job audit, but we don't require it per customer. Right. Um, but if it's an automotive part, um, I would say 95 to 99% in the industry, what you're doing for one customer, you're doing for every customer right. in, in a you know, 101 kind of standpoint, right? There may be some special tests here or there, but, but overall, your system, your systems management is going to be the same for one customer that it is for all customers. You know, okay. if it's right for one, you'll do it for all. Right. Um, and and that's the intent, right? You do it with the one automotive yeah. customer, and then the next year, do a different part. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me that it would be, there's, I mean, do you find in your practical experience that people are doing more than one job audit a year? I mean, are they, I mean, it seems to me that it would make sense to do more than one, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it depends on the the organization. I know for our organization, we do a job audit annually for each process employed. Okay. So if I have, uh, I'll give you an, uh, an example of, of this. We have a facility that has belt furnaces mm-hmm. and it's neutral hardening. So we'll do uh, a job audit for the neutral hardening. And then we have induction in that facility as well. So we'll gotcha. do one for induction and then there's stress relief post induction and we'll do one for that as well. Gotcha. So, so for us in, in, in our organization, that's how we manage it to, to accommodate the, the processes in right. employed at our facility. Right. Right. Okay, great. Okay, so let's talk about then uh, in the CQI Rev 4. Okay. What were the major changes uh, to the HTSA requirements. So right off the top, uh, the the big change was the format. Um, in the third edition, you had one one question that required one answer, and there were many shell statements inside that one question. So you were trying to answer. Uh, a multifaceted question and in one area. Well, now the HTSA is slightly different where you have one kind of overall question and then each shall statement is individually broken out 
And now you have to show effective evidence inside each one of those shall statements. And, and what it does is, you know, maybe even talking through this, maybe it sounds a little, uh, a little odd, but I will tell you that it has cleaned up this document tremendously where it makes it so much easier to, to walk the system and, and, and expose either A, your compliance or non-compliance to a shell statement. So, so I do have a question here. So you've mentioned several times, and I just want to make sure our listeners understand this. You mentioned shall, I assume you're saying shall statements, as in thou shalt do this and thou shalt do that. Correct? That's what we're talking about. That is absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, there there is definitely, I, I guess, from an, an auditor standpoint, there's a difference between shall and should. Should is suggested, shall, hey, you right. will do. Right, so. right. That's right. Shall is a, shall is a requirement. Should is a, a, a strong suggestion, let's say. Okay. Correct. On that note, you should stick around to hear about job audit changes in Revision 4. But first, let's talk about your thermal process and the needs you have to comply with various pyrometry specifications. Let's help you take the pain and suffering out of compliance by eliminating the unknown. Control Service is a full service provider of process control systems including calibration, maintenance, and service. Whether you're in need of calibration and repair, testing services including temperature uniformity surveys or system accuracy tests, burner setup and combustion analysis, quality standard training and consulting, startup assistance, process control troubleshooting, furnace tuning, NADCAP consulting and assistance, or other process-related services, Control Service is the one company you should know. Find out more about Control's Service on the web at www.controlsservice.com. And that has two S's in the middle, C-O-N-T-R-O-L-S-S-E-R-V-I-C-E.com. Now, let's get back to James and Justin as they share what to pay attention to in CQI 9 Revision 4 as you think about heat, treat, system assessments, and job audits. All right. Any other changes in the uh, in, in Rev 4 as far as the uh, HTSA? Um, I, I would say that there are subtle changes to, uh, to all of the uh, HTSA questions, um, some of them, you know, maybe not as significant as others where, you know, it's cleaning up the language uh, uh, or, or removing some wording just to make the, uh, uh, the, the, the question read clearer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that, that clarity to the end user was, was one of the, uh, one of the high priority items for our group when we were doing the, uh, uh, the writing of this document. So, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the big thing to, I, I would, I would say for anybody using this document, whether or not they're a, a seasoned veteran with, with 20 years of, of heat treating experience, anything short of reading this document, you're not doing yourself any favors. 
Okay. It's important to walk the document. It's important to uh, traverse the document, whether you do it in phases, you know, you, you, know, you grab the HTSA and read through it. And then maybe, you know, a week later or something, you go through another portion of it, especially if you're getting to the point where it's time to uh, your, your assessment is coming up to be due. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 it provides a lot of information, a lot of guidance, um, and and it, it will help you avoid any potential pitfalls. Okay, yeah, that's great. And, and, I, and I would also agree in, in terms of the the changes. The, the most significant one is the, the formatting far and away. I mean, I think even in the uh, the uh, CQI nine expert analysis article that we did with you guys, Bob Ferry even noted that as a the, the most notable change in his mind was the improved formatting there and and how much. Uh, how much easier it is now to capture all of those requirements before you'd have some long, uh, drawn-out paragraph, and you'd look at it and say, okay, that's a requirement. But when you'd read it closer, like as James was suggesting, you'd find, you know, five, six shell statements and you know multiple paragraphs, and given one box to uh, yeah. provide an answer to. That's makes things complicated. And there are several new requirements within the HTSA questions. Um, but far and away, uh, they, the changes are merely to make it more clear, provide that additional guidance, you know, make, uh, define more explicitly what the expectations are of those individual requirements. Right. Um, but to capture all of those, it's, it's going to take a read through. Some of them are, are minor. Some of them are, you know, might require yeah. you to do something different, but they're, they're in that there are new requirements in, in, in many of the, uh, there's been a, a few questions that were added that that weren't right. um, uh, in, in previous ones or, or expanded on, I should say. Right. It's a significant rewrite. So if you if you've done Rev three, don't assume you can you know fudge it. Basically, you know start basically start from start from scratch and go from there, huh? I mean, I yeah, think that's the point taken. So we covered some of the major changes in the HTSA. How about how about in the job audit? Major changes on the job audit side, James. What what do you what do you see there? So, no, I I, I would say that um, major changes, not very significant changes. Uh, I think there were some uh, subtle changes and some removal of questions that um, that in the third edition didn't quite fit the intent of the the job audit where it would ask you to go look at something like APQP process. What did that look like? Well, in the HTSA, you've already covered that. And APQP information, you may not find out on the floor. You're going to have, you know, uh, bin tickets, bin tags, part travelers, things of that nature, production records and things like that. So APQP process, you won't find out on the floor. So, so some of those things were dialed back to where, to where that information wasn't required to be looked at a second or third time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it, is, is it your estimation that the, uh, the a job audit under the fourth edition is going to take more time or less time? Then under the third, or, I mean, is the documentation help us to move, do it more quickly, or what? What's the? I, I think evaluating the system, walking, you know, util, utilizing the job audit is going to be significantly easier. Mm -hmm. um, okay. it, it's it's more streamlined, and and it's and it's set up to allow you to traverse the process better than it was before. 
more okay. effectively, more efficient, more, right? more effectively, more efficient. Yeah, that's a, that's another good way to put it. For so sure. Does that, so does that mean less time? Hopefully. Yes. Yes. Hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. I think that's important. I think that's that'll that'll help those who are maybe have some hesitation about going into uh, looking at four. They'll know, yeah. You know, possibility of saving some time here. So that's that's great. Uh, well, I've had the I've had the luxury of uh, performing six within our facilities. Under um, Rev Four. Under Rev Four. Okay. Um, and 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 I will tell you that the uh, job audit portion is certainly um, uh, quicker, more efficient. The HTSA takes a little bit longer okay. because it's because it's new, and the format's new. So aligning everything with what your reality is just takes a little bit of time. Um, you know, and like like when we were talking, uh, I was talking with Justin, you know, just recently, and um, it it certainly forces you not to assume, All right? Which which I found to be a really uh, an amazing part of this process is, you know, even on the sixth uh, assessment I was doing, and and our systems are very 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 uh, um, common. Right. So, so uh, all of our heat treat processes have the same work instructions. We have the same, uh, you know. I mean, that's part of what my job is is for that that commonality across our industry, or or our our plants. And even even though I am very intimate with all of our plants, very intimate with all our processes, I, I you know going through this process, it it allowed me the opportunity to do it, and I feel do it very effectively, because. At, at no point did I ever stop and assume that somebody was doing something. It was, all right, I'm going to put in what your reality is. I'm going to write down what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, that was a, a great part of this process for me. Right, right. Okay, so I got a final question for you uh, on this. You, you know, you're going to have some people that are going to be doing uh, Rev 4. They're going to be, you know, starting it, doing their initial assessment, if you will. Uh, what, and you've done, you've done six, right? <laughs> James, you've already done it in your plant six times at least. Uh, what kind of guidance would you give people to not overlook when they're performing that initial assessment? Uh, so first and foremost, read the question and make sure that your answer makes sense to you as a heat treater. And, and the, I would say even more importantly, if you come across any word in this document that you're uh, 70% sure you know the meeting, go to the glossary and use the glossary. Okay. It is, it is uh, a very intuitive tool in this document, and, and those definitions are, writ are written as it pertains to this document. Mm -hmm. So if you need that guidance, if you need that nudge over, you know, uh, a small hurdle that you're dealing with based on what does this mean or how do I interpret this, go to the glossary first. Got it. It, yeah. it is a great tool, a great tool. Okay, great. Anything else? I, I think uh, as well, if, if, if I can pipe in too, is uh, to a point that James was making before uh, the answer to this question was about, you know, the, the amount of time uh, this effort taking. I, I think that due to the fact that the third edition had such a, a prolonged 
life on the street of, you know, nine years, that's going to allow someone to get rather efficient at doing that process of going through that HGSA. I mean, you have a, a, a well-developed and, and worked through system at that point. And when something comes along, like, you know, like uh, the rewrite of fourth edition and the HGSA, that is going to be very different. And it, where the first few assessments that you perform to the third edition may have taken, you know, X number of, you know, an X amount of time, I would compare that more so to how much time it's going to take you for the fourth edition, because uh, as you got efficient, uh, teachers get efficient doing their HTSAs and that, that time starts to, you know, pare down when all of a sudden it's given the, this fourth edition and it's going to seem like it's, it could seem like it's, it's a lot by comparison, but it's, right. it's just something new and, and, and you'll get through it and you'll start to gain over time. And I think that the, uh, the clarity and the uh, ease of capturing these, uh, the, the, the requirements within the, the fourth edition are going to be, uh, are, are going to outweigh the aspects of other things, and, and it's going to allow you a, a real good chance to to turn over all those stones that you know perhaps have uh, right. just been a, you know assumptive of sorts over over time. Right. So, don't point being, don't be discouraged if the first several assessments under Rev Four take you a good bit of time. It's probably the same as when you were doing Rev Three. You they took a lot of time, but you get better and better, more efficient. Yeah, you should expect it. And ultimately, with the format that you guys are providing. On, in this Rev Four, sounds like it's going to be a much more, uh, much more beneficial outcome in the in the end. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and, and to give you a a, uh, a time frame, yeah, you know, two two and a half days is what it was taking us to do an assessment at one of our facilities. Uh, now it's about three and a half days. Okay. So okay. it, it's not significantly longer, but, you know, to, to the point, you know, maybe to uh, supplement the point that Justin was making, take your time, yeah. read yeah. through it, take your time. Right. I mean, right. it, it, it is important to uh, make sure that we, you know, we cross T's and dot I's, especially in our industry. Right. Um, it's, it's no place to shortcut. Yeah, yeah. good, good, good. And I really do think it's an interesting point that, that you made early on when we were, uh, you know, as you go through the, the development process here, you, you don't want to forget about, you know, trialing what it is you're suggesting, you know, that, that we do, like to put it through the works to make sure that it's it's doing what we intend to do. And I thought it was a real interesting point that, that, that James had made in, in conversations with, with me through the development process about one element of the, the new formatting is that from a, from, I don't know, would you call it a scoring aspect james but from a scoring aspect it's gonna, your scoring is going to be a little different than it was in the third where you had you know one box for an answer to five shell statements you now have five boxes yeah with yeah. five you know abilities to you know five chances or, or opportunities for scoring that you know differently so one question in previous edition had you know one answer for you know satisfactory not satisfactory yada yada the new one you're going to have, if you had five requirements for a single question, you're going to have five responses that are given. So it's going to change right. the way you would score yeah. it. Is that how you say it? Score it? Yeah. I, I mean, evaluate it, score it. I mean, you, you know, it, it, it's important to understand that, that any heat treater doing this assessment for themselves should never get hung up on the number of findings. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the content could be so much worse. I mean, if I have if I have findings at one of our facilities where they have ten findings because, you know, they had blank spaces on a on a on a log that that weren't accounted for, and I had one plant that had one finding, but they were running you know ten percent uh, uh, extra water in their quench oil. 
but I would say that is significantly yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, damaging compared yeah. to you know not not putting not in use in a box where they didn't use a piece of equipment, right? Right, right. One one needs immediate attention is. Uh, probably more important than a, than right. a half yeah. dozen to a dozen not satisfactory, so, so to speak. Huh? Yeah. Yes, sir. And, yeah. and it's almost a, a similar uh, mentality that I uh, convey to, to my customers when performing temperature uniformity surveys is that I'm not performing a temperature uniformity survey to find passing data I'm or passing results. I'm running the survey to find failing results. If the data ends up showing that it passes, that's an easy one to handle. You're good to go. But I'm yeah. running that so that I can capture those things that we can work on and fix and correct. That's the purpose. So to a certain extent, that's the intent here, too, is that I'm running this to find shortcomings, to find weaknesses so that I can improve it, so that I can have a more effective system overall. Right. So if I'm going through this with the intent of just trying to you know, pass everything you know, or you know, have satisfactories for everything, Sure, that's an easy thing to to have if you find it that way. But I'm going through. I'm trying to find those things that are trying to that that I can improve or areas in which uh, need attention. That's the the intent of this thing. Good, good. All right, gentlemen, that sounds great. So we've covered today. We've covered heat treat system assessments and job audits. So that's uh that'll probably put a wrap on this second one. Next next time we're going to delve into some process tables the process tables that are in Rev 4 and some other supplemental support information, if you will, uh, to help with the assessment process. And then in our final episode, episode number four, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pick the brains of these two guys, I think, and ask them about, you know, what are the practical helps as we're as we're moving through these moving through this assessment and job audit systems and things of that uh, job audit processes. What, what can uh, we do to help? So guys, thank you very much. James, thanks for joining us. We'll look forward to hearing from you again. And Justin, good to talk with you. Thank you, Doug. All right. Thanks, Doug. All right. Take care. We hope you enjoyed today's Heat Treat Radio episode. If you want to go back to the first episode in what will be a four-part series, head over to heattreattoday.com slash radio and look for Justin Radzutsky. Or you can simply Bing or Google Heat Treat Radio Radzutsky, and that's spelled R-Y-D-Z-E-W-S-K-I. And it should be one of the very first things that pops up. To learn more about today's guest, visit Justin Radzutsky's company website at www.controlsservice.com or James Hawthorne's company's website, which is www.acument.com. That's A-C-U-M-E-N-T.com. You could also send an email to me, and I'll put you in touch with either of these two gentlemen directly. My email is doug at heattreattoday.com. And we're always interested in new Heat Treat radio topics So send me an email with what you find fascinating so that we can cover it in a future episode of Heat Treat Radio. Additionally, if you'd like to be a sponsor, please, please, of a future episode, send me a brief email and I'll be in touch. Again, my email is doug at heattreattoday.com. Are you looking for more Heat Treat resources? Our fourth quarter print edition was released this past December and is available on our website. The edition is full of expert analysis articles and commentaries from the medical and energy heat treat sectors. Go to 
www.heattreattoday.com slash media to view Heat Treat Today digital editions. Special thanks to Controls Service for their support of today's Heat Treat Radio episode. If you're looking for a company capable of helping you with all of your control-related questions, look up Controls Service on the web at www.controlsservice.com. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advance written permission from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd is the Heat Treat Radio audio producer and created and mixed all of the music that you heard today. See his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. And Bethany Funk is the outstanding Heat Treat Radio podcast editor. Thank you, Bethany. And I'm your host, Doug Glenn. Thank you for listening.